On Monday, August 8th, Paul Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom! Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as loud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. You're listening to Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show. I will give you a show like you have never, ever seen before. Why? Because I can. Here's your host. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Matt Robinson. Oh, guys, good show today. Good looking show today. As the good woman said, my name is Matt Robinson, coming to you from our studios in beautiful Bytown, Canada. We are on Twitter and Instagram, at Tall Can Audio. I hope you'll follow along there and uh, interact with us if you like. And uh, wherever you're listening right now, wherever you're hearing my voice, wherever you're about to hear our uh, esteemed guest's voice from Make sure you're subscribed and following there as well. Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, Overcast, Apple, obviously. Uh, wherever you're hearing your podcasts, follow us there. We'd love to have you on board. Stick around because we are continuing to churn out the great guest today. Today is no different. Today may be the top of the mountain as we are super excited to be welcoming back the original, often imitated, never duplicated, the original hockey insider, TSN's Bob McKenzie, who we are finding today. Bob, I believe you're already out in Calgary, taking down uh, World Junior training camp and selections, all these sorts of things. Correct. First day of camp was yesterday, and uh, right through, we'll pick the team on Sunday night, Monday morning, and uh, I'm back to uh, home on Monday. And uh, we saw this week a little bit of news out of uh, the land of Bobby Margarita. You got to tell me about <laughs> this because the last time you were on, we talked about, uh, I knew now this time, don't ask him about his craft beer takes. That's not really Bob's style. But there is other news coming out of uh, out of your neck of the woods on the beverage front. What's happening? Yeah, it's uh, kind of interesting. Um, you know, five years ago, I jokingly uh, made a social media post in the, in, in the summer, called myself Bobby Margarita. Got a little traction. Some people thought it was funny. It was amused me, it amused them. Kind of picked up a little bit of steam over time, and and I kind of adopted the persona just for uh, you know just for laughs uh, when it was vacation time. And, and a lot of people, are, it's it's funny the number of people I would put like a serious post on break news or something a few years ago on on Twitter or whatever. And in the replies, it would be like reference after reference to Bobby Margarita. So I, I realized that it had kind of caught on. And, and it's fun. It's funny with my son, Sean, we, we joke sometimes when we were sitting around saying, you know, it's too bad we couldn't 
actually make Bobby Margarita into something tangible. Wouldn't it be great if we had a, a margarita drink or a tequila company said they wanted to do a Bobby Margarita drink or whatever. And, and then he thought, hey, well, we should even sell hats or T-shirts, Bobby Margarita. Wouldn't that be cool? And, and we were like, yeah, it would be. But you know what? It's like a lot of good ideas. You never get off your ass to do it. So last spring, <clears throat> excuse me, um, Sean got a phone call from a guy that he knew back in his days and when Sean was in, at school in London, Ontario. His name is Brock James. He used to be a, a Molson rep back in the day. Hmm. And he called Sean. Now He now works for the Ace Beverage Company, which anybody from Ontario would recognize their brands, Cottage Springs, um, Ace Hill, um, a wide variety of ready-to-drink coolers, but beer, and, and you know probably the number one local producer of ready-to-drink cocktails in Ontario. Right. And he was just calling Sean just to say, hey, we got a Ace Hill Mexican lager beer. I'd like to get some to you to try, you know, whatever. And, and then Sean, being the smart kid that he is, takes after his mother, said, hey, me and my dad had this idea. Well, what, why not Bobby Margarita? And he said, wow, sounds interesting. Let's look at it. And one thing led to another, and that was nine months ago, and now we've actually got a drink called Bobby Margarita. And so Sean and I have partnered with the Ace Beverage Company, and they've been fantastic partners. And, and uh, you know, we're approved for Ontario in the LCBO in April, uh, Saskatchewan in April. Uh, Nova Scotia is going to get it, I believe, January 1st. And uh, I'm in Alberta right now, and uh, it's available in uh, liquor retail stores in in Alberta now. So it's been kind of a fun ride. So I'm not sure to be honest with you that I've ever had a margarita before. So tell me about this one. It's canned. It's ready to drink. I've seen some out there that I guess are carbonated. I know that's not the way a margarita is supposed to go down. Tell us about yours. What's the flavor like? What's the, you know, what's the story here? You know what? I guess there's two answers to that question. So I'll give you the, the, uh, the personal one first. And, and that is, you know, as much as Sean and I talked about, wouldn't it be cool if a company came to us and said, let's do Bobby Margarita. Um, if somebody came to us and just said, we want to slap your name on this, it's a licensing agreement, you know, lend your name to it, promote it, and we'll we'll make it um, and and do with it what they wanted. I would never do that because anything, you know, I kind of worked my whole life where your name is kind of your, where you're recognized by in the work that you do. And so... For me, if if we were going to put out something that has my name on it and is sort of true to the the, the brand or whatever if you want to call it that, um, it had to be something that I would drink that I would think is really good because if it's if the, if the quality's not there, then it, it, I don't I don't want to be associated right. with it. And and so it's funny the the first margaritas that I really started to mix. I you know I, I wasn't a huge margarita aficionado. I used to have it when I went to Mexican restaurants. We'd be in Talas or somewhere in the States and, uh, and we, the hockey writers would all go to a Mexican restaurant and I'd enjoy a margarita and it was great. I really liked it, but I didn't actually make them myself until five years ago and I got this frozen concoction maker. So I wasn't quite sure exactly how to make it. So I looked it up online. So I Googled recipes and the one that popped up that looked good was Martha Stewart. Hmm. And so I took the Martha Stewart recipe and used that and it was quite good and I really liked it. And so I said, if I'm going to do this Bobby Margarita thing, I want a margarita that tastes as close to what I drink as possible. I don't know if that's possible doing it in a can. Um, only 5% alcohol. you got to keep the calorie count down because people are health conscious now. And a margarita, I mean, it's loaded with a, a, an actual margarita you make yourself. It's, it's got tequila. It's mm-hmm. got Contro or Triple Sec. It's got lime juice. 
It's got simple syrup or sugar. There's a lot of ingredients. It's a lot of effort to make a margarita. And can you put one in a can that tastes really good and is the right caloric intake and only 5% alcohol? And that was the challenge. And so Sean and I were involved with ACE and we did all sorts of testing panels and we just kept on working it and working it and working it. It was a really long and involved process and it was actually a fun process too. And we got it to the point where I believe you can take this margarita and if you're on a golf course and they and you get one, you, you don't need a salted glass. You don't need to add anything. You just need to make sure it's cold and you can pop that top and drink it right out of the can and it tastes like a real margarita that I would drink and mix at home. And of course, if you want to if you want to put it in a glass over ice, that's great too. If you want to salt the rim, go ahead. But we we feel like we put enough salt flavor in it that if you're if you you are drinking out of the can, um, no 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 additional salt required. So it's um it's been a fun experience, and uh, I know that some people will go out and buy it because of the shtick or the hockey stick. That's actually from the logo with the Bobby Margarita logo. Mm-hmm. Um, just, to, you know, just because, oh, hey, Bob McKenzie, you got from TSM got a margarita, let's try it. If it tastes like crap, that's the end of it right yes. there. Um, so it's, it's all, and then you're a craft beer guy, so you know how important it is that if you're going to give a new product a try, it's what's in the can that's ultimately, it's not the marketing of it, it's not the logo, it's not the color of the can. All those things are important sure. in their own way, but you've got to make sure that the liquid in there is really good and and i and i think that it is so we'll see that's up for everybody else to decide but it's been it's been fun no you're right about that and in the craft beer thing you see all the time all kinds of stuff with crazy names on it. there's the pompous ass and things like that and you're like that's kind of funny and you grab one if it sucks you never buy another one and you're kind of annoyed with the brewery right so um yeah, yeah you, you needed something to bring you in but it Something's got to hook you after that to keep you. Uh, have you always, I know obviously the, the Bobby Margarita thing is, is reasonably new just over the last couple of years. Have you always had like interest in, in trying different drinks and making stuff like that? Like if, if we'd have told the Bob McKenzie working up at the, in the Sioux or, uh, that at some point he would be creating his own beverages, would that be surprising to that guy? Um, probably a little bit. I was pretty, you know, I, I've never been a beer, big beer drinker, um, a little bit when I was a teenager, but not much. Um, you know, my, my drink of preference for the longest time, and and I'm talking decades, like, you know, twenties, thirties, forties was, was rum and diet Coke, Mm. large, large glass, lots of ice, (laughs) twist of lime. Um, I don't know how many times I gave that order and then the the, the diet Coke (laughs) say segue to Coke zero and and for the longest time. And then, and then I would say in my, in in my fifties, I started getting away from rum and Cokes, have the occasional one now and again, but I started to get into wine and I'm still very much into wine. And, um, and I really enjoy wine with dinner and I really enjoy the whole experience of, of wine. So, you know, I should start a Bobby Barolo, a Bobby Barbaresco, <laughs> a Bobby Brunello, because I, I really like Italian wine, but, um, you know, so I, I really enjoyed wine. And as I said, I, you know, in terms of the variety, I I probably was initially an, a niche margarita drinker. That is, if everybody's going out for Mexican and we're in a Mexican restaurant, let's get pictures of margaritas and go to town. And and I really, but I really enjoyed them too. So then, I would say in the summer we started looking for different drinks. Uh, there, there was I, I remember 
in a magazine seeing a Grey Goose ad for um, a drink called Caper. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it properly, but it's called Caperosca. And it's 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 sort of a vodka equivalent of a martini where there's a fair bit of sugar and juice in it and and whatever. But it's a very refreshing drink. And I I would mix a batch of those up in the summer. I would, and then as I say, 2016, I got the frozen concoction maker, the Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville frozen concoction maker at Best Buy on a slow night at the uh, during TSN Stanley Cup playoffs. <laughs> and I uh, and and that summer of 2016, I used that to whip up a batch of Martha Stewart's margs, and the rest is history. I, I and I would in the summer quite often mix up margaritas and what have you. And you know, I've, even I was just in Florida in November, and uh, you know, one day I decided to take a break from the frozen margarita poolside and had a had a pina colada, which I always enjoyed, rum based, and it's good. So, so I, I wouldn't say there's a ridiculous amount of drink variety in my life. And as I said, for the better part of 20, 30, 40 years, um, all I was drinking was rum and coke. But uh, I've, I've expanded my palate, and now I jokingly refer to myself as a booze mogul because this is you know, <laughs> such a fun experience. Hockey insider slash booze mogul. It's a fascinating resume. Now, I'm more actually, to be honest with you, now is it, as it relates to the NHL, I'm more hockey outsider than insider <laughs> because uh, October to November. I was fully retired. I had no real work to do for TSN. Um, I was busy with Bobby Margarita and the, the, the work that goes along with that. I was busy with uh, Everyday Hockey Heroes Volume 3 that was, was going to come out next fall. Um, but I had no TSN responsibilities whatsoever in October or November. And I got to be honest with you, you know, as much as I love hockey, I didn't, outside of watching my son Sean or my son Mike's games mm-hmm. in Kitchener with the Kitchener Rangers, um, I didn't watch a uh, whole hockey game for the entire two months wow. that I was uh, thing, and and now I'm I'm almost fully back to work for the better part of two months with the World Juniors. I got draft rankings to do. I'm doing uh, three or four Leaf games here in the next month and a half. So it's been um, it's been sort of a, an interesting change, but I'm definitely more NHL hockey outsider than insider now. But uh, uh, I am full-time uh, right now, a World Junior Insider, so that's good too. Well, you referenced the World Juniors there. We'll get to that in just a second. But I was curious, I wanted to ask you, because last time you were on, you were just sort of entering this uh, this partial retirement phase, and uh, it had been dragged out a bit on you as the, uh, the, the you know, the, the 2019-20 season got uh, shut down and then dragged out, and then it was going into the bubble, and... Um, you know, your, uh, your retirement was sort of pushed back a little bit, but at the time you had sort of said, uh, we would still be seeing you on a lot of regional leaf games and then the world juniors and a couple other things here and there. And then we didn't end up seeing too much of you during the shortened season. I know you were doing some work for NBC was, was crossing the border, uh, border a hassle. What did things look like for you in that kind of shortened season? Well, well, you're right. The, the, you know, the thing I've always felt and known about, the NHL season and the work year for for me is that there was a real there was a real rhythm to it and it was it was the same thing every year mm-hmm. and, you know month by month I could tell you exactly whether it was a busy month a light month um, a crazy month whatever the case may be and then August, you know July and August were my two down months and then the pandemic really messed with that as well as you know, the decision, the, the coincidental decision that I was also going into semi-retirement mm-hmm. um, almost when the pandemic hit. So 
you know, when with with the the pandemic and the league being shut down effectively, you know, a couple of years ago in well in March, the March of whatever year it was, was it March of twenty? Is, is that yes, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So so the league shuts down in March of twenty. That's supposed to be sort of my farewell tour, April, May, June, and July first. Then you know that's it. I'm semi-retired. You go off into the distance, make my margaritas, have fun. <laughs> but instead, it was like, oh, okay. Well, there's no hockey. When are we going to play hockey? And and we eventually did get the season started in the bubble. And so I still was obliged to come back and finish my finish my year to a point. I but I only came back and worked till August 10th. I just worked. Uh, and once the Leafs were out of the play, uh, the the play in round against Columbus, uh, August tenth, if I remember correctly, it was my last day as a. Were as you a rooting against them? If they'd have stayed in, would you have had to stay on? Uh, I, I would have stayed. I would have stayed on uh, because I did the the, the Leaf hits for Sports Center. But ne- nevertheless, that was basically it. So, so, but even then, so now we get a, a season that starts much much later, <clears throat> the the two thousand and twenty twenty one season. And it starts much later. It doesn't start till January. And, and, uh, you know, so, and, and I've also got the final year of my NBC contract. So even though I was semi-retired from TSN, I still owed NBC a year on my contract. Well, with the league starting in January, the restrictions being, I couldn't go to the States and fulfill that contract, but at a house in Florida and I wanted to spend time there anyways in January, February, and March. So I went down to Florida, worked out of Florida and, and did very little on the other front. Um, uh, you know, did a couple of leaf games, did some leaf games when I got back and the, the trade deadline and free agent frenzy and all that stuff once I got back from Florida, but I was able to go to Stanford, Connecticut 10 times and do the NBC gig. So the, the whole rhythm of the year was completely thrown out the window, mm-hmm. the, the normal work year. We finally somewhat got back to that this, this season. Um, and so, as I said, now I know that once I do my preseason draft rankings in September, October and November are total down months for me where I have no TSN responsibilities. Right. And December and January are very busy months because I have the World Juniors and I have mid-season draft rankings and also some Leaf games. And and then all I've really got left in my calendar after January is I think I'll owe TSN one more Leaf game and I think I'll... I've got trade deadline day and free agent day, and that's pretty much it. And, you know, that's my work year. And, and I'll be able to go at the end of January back to Florida for a while and kind of enjoy that. And, um, and, and so now I feel like we're finally, for the first time, I'm finally getting to a, a point where I understand sort of the, the new rhythm of, of my work year. Right. Um, we are now just uh, just weeks and really days away from the uh, the World Juniors, and uh, I wonder what you think of this year's Team Canada. Obviously, we're a long way from actually dropping the puck, but typically you're able to, or you know, people like you who follow this stuff more closely than I do, are able to kind of trace back the, this age group through the under-18s, the under-17s, and just sort of see how they're going to stack up. Is there any way of doing that going into this one and predicting how some of these teams are going to do, or does the development curve been been thrown off so badly by everything that's gone off that it's it's too harder to predict than usual? I think um, I think that last point you made is absolutely 100% true. The development curve is is off, but... Um, especially I've noticed it in Ontario, just anecdotally, the Ontario Hockey League this year 
um, to me is is way behind the Western Hockey League and the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. And I've had a number of NHL scouts tell me the same thing. Hmm. Because in one form or another, the WHL and the QMJHL got a little action in last season. The OHL got none. And um, I really think it set a lot of young players back. But having said that, um, I, I don't think that aspect of it will make a huge impact on the world juniors. Um, you know, Craig Button, who I work with at TSN, is, is real good with the uh, the various age groups and who's had success. And and if, if you were to chart the, the the guys that are in their last year of junior eligibility this year, um, the group that's been the most successful in that age group is, is has been the Russians. Hmm. Um, so, you know, a lot of people think this Russian team, and, the, and then you've got some younger guys like Matt Mitchkov, who's draft eligible down the road here, and he's been a sensation, and, and Connor Bedard, or everybody's talking about next year's draft. But, um, you know, they 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 seem to have a lot of elements that would lead you to believe they could be considered one of the co-favorites for for the tournament. But I also know that you can only read so much into one cohort. That is the you know the the nineteen year old year because um, you still got the seventeen, you know, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen year old years, and that influences teams dramatically. So it's it's probably overly simplistic to say the Russians are the favorite. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Um, but I think this Canadian team, um, it, it looks very good to me. I know I, I know it will be that much better if Jamie Drysdale, who's <laughs> playing big minutes for the Anaheim Ducks, were here to be sure. to play with Caden Gooley, returning player in Owen Power, the first pick in the draft. Imagine starting with that threesome every game. But um, but even having Gooley, a returning player, who's the first round pick of the Montreal Canadiens, and and the number one overall pick in last year's draft, Owen Power, who's played so well at Michigan last year and this year. Um, you know, those are great luxuries to have. So I, I look at this Canadian team and I think they've got a lot of talent and I think they've got a lot of depth. Um, they, again, they'd be that much better if they had Seth Jarvis and, and Cole Sillinger, two players who are in Carolina and Columbus, respectively, in the NHL. Um, Canada's not expecting to get them necessarily, but they haven't closed the door on Columbus and Carolina making last-minute decisions at the end of next week when the, the roster has to be declared on December 15th. So, but I, I think this team's got a lot of skill. I think they've got some real good depth on the blue line. Um, I think the goaltending on paper looks, looks very, very good. So I, I think Canada is, you know, right there with everybody, but it, it's funny. And when we, we talk about the Russians being uh, maybe a favorite, one of the top favorites, um, every year you go to the world juniors, you could make a case that Canada, the U S Finland, Sweden, and Russia, any right. one of those five teams can win the gold medal. But what was fascinating, and I didn't know this until I did the uh, World Junior Countdown show with TSN uh, at the beginning of the month here, um, we threw up a board that showed the last nine World Junior Championships. And in that nine-year span, Canada's won three gold medals, the USA has won three gold medals, and Finland has won three gold medals. So yeah, this, the Russians and the Swedes they, you know, they've gotten some silvers and bronzes along the way, and they've, they've been right there. And it's never to say that they, they can't win one. But I found it fascinating that only three countries have won gold medals in the last nine years, and they're all on equal footing. So it's, it's kind of re- remarkable. And that's a real testament to Finland, because when you start talking about the hockey powers, and you've got Canada, the USA, Russia, Sweden, Finland, um, the big five, it used to be the big six with Czechoslovakia, but when the Czechs and Slovaks 
um, yeah. became separate entities. It became more difficult for them, although the Slovaks are going to be very good this year at the World Juniors. Mm. Um, they've got a very strong uh, age group here this year. But um, Finland is by far the, the smallest of those five hockey powers. And for them to have won three gold medals, the same as Canada and the United States in that span, it really is truly remarkable. And the Finns are, are very much a, a contender this year too. Well, you mentioned there, yeah, the only the three teams. It's always, you know, Russia and Sweden are in the mix. Sweden, man, that that long run of unbeaten in the round robin and then never able to, to get it done in the gold medal game. Uh, I'm sure that was weighing on those kids quite a bit. You did reference a couple guys Canada's not likely to get back. One uh, one that we did get back was Mason McTavish from the Ducks, went back to the Peets, and uh, looks like he'll, uh, he should have a good chance, obviously, to to make the team. I wonder if you could give us just a couple of names that you think Canadians will be getting to know pretty well over the next couple of weeks, the guys that are going to probably have to carry the mail for this team. Well, I think you've got Cole Perfetti, who's coming back from, from last year's team, uh, first-round pick of the Winnipeg Jets. He's been playing this season with the Manitoba Moose in the American Hockey League. Um, you know, he's going to be a, a top-line guy for them. Uh, you mentioned Mason McTavish. He, he, he played well in a brief stint with Anaheim um, in the NHL at the beginning of the season. He was dominant at the World Under-18 Championships last April. Um, he's gotten a little... I think fitter and leaner and stronger, and he's a, he's a real visceral hockey player, um, and he plays sort of a throwback in your face hard game, but he's he's got a lot of skill as well. and And I know they had uh, um, a line in in practice yesterday that had uh, Perfetti on the left wing and McTavish. If he'd been practicing, he didn't practice, but um, he's expected to today. Um, they had him at center, and then they had Dylan Gunther who was lights out good at the uh, under-18 World Championships last year and was a first-round pick of the uh, the Arizona Coyotes. You know, that's a that's a line that could most certainly be heard from um, in in this tournament. And uh, so, yeah, and, and then, as I said, on defense, you've got Gooley and you've got Power leading the way. Uh, the goaltending, we'll see how it shakes out. Sebastian Kosa's got the biggest NHL pedigree, a first-round pick, 15th overall, the Detroit Red Wings. Dylan Garan plays for the Kamloops Blazers. His, his numbers are spectacular in the Western Hockey League this year. New York Ranger prospect, and he was on the team last year, but just played, I think, a, a couple of periods in relief of, uh, of uh, Devin Levi. And then you've got Brett Brochu, who's sort of the, uh, uh, the Cinderella story, never been drafted in the National Hockey League yet, but has been the best goalie in the Ontario Hockey League this year um, for the London Knights, certainly the best Canadian goalie anyways for in the OHL and he's been very good. So we'll, we'll see how the goaltending, those three goalies will all be on the team. There's no competition for our, the roster spot, but there's mega competition for one, two, and three in terms of the pecking order. Right. Well, I know this is a crazy time of year for you, Bob. Um, it's, uh, it is for everybody with the holiday season, but you throw on your travels with the world juniors and everything else you've got coming up. I really appreciate you making some time for me here this morning. And, um, We'll be looking forward to trying the uh, the Bobby Margarita when they finally get here to uh, to Ontario in April. Why are we last? How does that happen? Um, it, you know what? It's it, it's really funny because we just you know people. So we have it's in Alberta now, mm-hmm. and people are like in Alberta, yay! And then and then we say it'll be in Nova Scotia on January one. Everybody's there, yay! And then we say it'll be in a- LCBO in April. It'll be in Saskatchewan in April. 
So now you get the people in BC and you get the people in Manitoba, you get the people in New Brunswick, people in PEI, people in Newfoundland, and I'm probably forgotten a province along the way somewhere, <laughs> but um, in the territories or, or whatever. But they're saying, well, what about us? It's obvious you don't like BC. Or <laughs> there's, there's, the, the, what I've come to learn being a booze mogul <laughs> is that there's, there's really a, a very complex system in place um, in order to get approval province by province. It, it, it's not, you can't just roll a, an alcoholic beverage out on a Show up with your own scale. truck and say, here, sell this for me. <laughs> yeah, you, you, it, and each province has rules and regulations and applications and you're really at their mercy right. in terms of whether or not they want it to be. So um, what I tell people is if you want Bobby Margarita or any drink that isn't in your area, then go to your liquor store or your or find out the, the email address for the, the governing body who regulates liquor sales in your province and say, hey, get this get, get this going here because <laughs> we would love nothing more than to be everywhere right now. But the, the just to quickly tell you, the LCBO process um, is is a pretty complex one, and and it was last I think we applied last. April or May. Right. And from my understanding, you know, they get six, seven, 800 applications for new products every year. Hmm. Um, and they only approve, um, maybe less than 10% of those. Wow. And, and so it's a very competitive environment and you go through a very rigorous application process that includes basically having to make your case as to why your, your product should be in there. And, and a lot of really big outfits and, and interesting products never see the light of day because there's, it's just a numbers game. And so we were very fortunate to get the blessing of the LCBO. And there's a very firm timetable on that. Well, we found out in September, Labor Day, actually, last Labor Day, that we were approved for Ontario. But they don't, that approval doesn't take effect until a, there's a very regulated season as to when those drinks can start appearing in the LCBO and it's April. So there's, and there are similar processes all over Canada. Although the reason we're in Alberta first is because Alberta is the least regulated um, <laughs> liquor market in Canada. Um, it's basically the easiest province for which any drink manufacturer can get their product into a store in relatively short order. And so that's, the biggest reason why we're in Alberta. And it was kind of just serendipity that I was going to be here for the world junior camp and for the world juniors in Edmonton on Christmas day. Um, so it was a, a nice little marketing uh, coincidence right. that the, uh, that the first province we were going to was uh, the one I was going to be spending half a month in, in December and January. Well, it'll be uh, fun for me that my first margarita will be one that's uh, from a can as opposed to the traditional style, but uh, I'm looking forward to trying it. So uh, again, Bob, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate your time. Awesome. And it's perfect to be on Tall Can Audio because it's a Tall Can. It's the big 473 mils. So you have the perfect. Bobby margarita. There you go. You have a captive <laughs> audience here, people who enjoy a beverage. So uh, <laughs> this will be perfect. Thanks again, Bob. Right. Really appreciate it, Matt. Take okay. care. Yeah, you too, Bob. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Can't... Uh, can't tell you how much we appreciate you making some time for here us on the Tall Can Audio Podcast. Like I said off the top, 
Make sure you are subscribed wherever you're listening right now. If you dug that, we're going to keep more of these coming at you. We get all sorts of great stuff through the holidays. We are not one of those shows that disappears. Uh, we will keep coming at you with guests and uh, different shows. Um, hit us up on our Twitter account, our pinned tweet. Uh, at Tall Can Audio has a list of some of the great guests we have had over the last little while, and you can find all of them at tallcanaudio.com. Like I said, make sure you are following or subscribed on your podcast app there to make sure you get what comes next. We are also on social media at Tall Can Audio. We would love to interact with you there. And with that in mind, we will wind this one down here. For Bob McKenzie, my name is Matt Robinson. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you all next time. It is over! Now that's a tasty beverage. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at tallcanaudio.com or by searching Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app.